0: Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. <coughs> Today we are going to study Jeremiah chapter 34. Uh, we just completed the four chapters of comfort. This is uh, where the Jeremiah, the prophet, Yermiyahu, was giving prophecies that mostly were about the future redemption. The ingathering of the exiles, the fact that God's covenant with the with the people of Israel was forever and permanent, and this destruction was going to be a temporary setback, but that one day justice and righteousness would return to God's capital, Jerusalem. Now we in chapter 34, we continue at the same time point in history that the previous prophecies were occurring but uh, unfortunately we're not going to have the um, beautiful imagery of the wonderful idyllic future, we're going to plunge into reality HaDovar, starting with verse 1, HaDovar Asher Hayah El Yirmiyahu eight Adonai the word (coughs) that came from God to Jeremiah at this time what was happening? Nevuchadrezzar Bavel, where Nevuchadrezzar, the King of Babylon, and all of his armies, the Eretz Memsheles Yado, and all of the other kingdoms which were under his dominion, who were now on his side, were also engaging in battle with the Babylonians. So the Babylonians plus all the other uh, vassal kings. That were uh, under the dominion of Babylon, all of them sent their armies to fight against Jerusalem. Bechol Hamim and all of the nations, Nilchamim al Yushalayim, they were all waging war against Jerusalem. Be'al Kol Oreha and against all of the towns that surrounded Jerusalem, the towns that surrounded Jerusalem and Judea that were also holding out against the Babylonians. Lamar saying as follows this is what God had said. Now, um, the, the uh, siege started in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, Zedekiah the king of Judah, and ended with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and the final exile in the 11th year. So this lasted for two years. It's pretty incredible to think that against the most powerful uh, empire of the time, which was Babylon, including all of these other nations waging war against Judea which was really a small country that they should have been able to hold out that long so it it's it was it's actually pretty impressive if you think about it uh, and that the resistance was so strong on the part of the Judeans however and and one could imagine therefore why people might think in Judea no we're gonna win we can hold out we can hold out and they also as we'll find out in later chapters we're hoping for the intervention of Pharaoh's the Egyptian army to come to their aid. Um, as, and uh, we'll get to that a little later. So they, they actually did think they had some hope. However, Jeremiah was prophesying and was telling the people that, no, this is not going to work. The punishment is from God, you know, and this is what we've been discussing in all the previous chapters. So let's continue with verse 2. This is what God said to Jeremiah at this time. Ko amar Adonai so says God, the Lord of Israel. Haloch, go v'yomarta, and I want you to speak. El tzidkiyahu melech Yehuda to tzidkiyahu, the king of Judah, v'yomarta love, and you should say to him as follows. Ko Adonai, so says God. H'nini n'osein esair hazot v'yad melech b'aval. I am going to place this city in the hands of the king of Babylon, U'sirafah and he is going to destroy the city in fire. It's unclear if Jeremiah had been allowed out of the prison yard where he was being held, and now he's able to then go and get an audience with the king. or if somehow he was left the prison yard in order to bring this message to the king. I don't um, there must have been, or maybe this occurred before he was placed in prison. and then as possibly as a result of this, he was put in prison, but either way, um, it seems that he was able to go and bring this message to the king the atah and you and this is still god telling jeremiah what message to tell the king and you king sedkiao lo you will not be saved from his hand it was if you imagine the king sedkiao's final plan if the city starts to fall would be to escape to some to some place in hiding and then from there try to reestablish his 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 support and come back um, somehow as we see happens often with fallen monarchs they'll run to some other safe haven someplace and try somehow to stage a a way to reconquer their old kingdom but God is telling him no you will not be saved from his hand because when you try to run away you're going to be captured and you will be placed in his hand And it's not just that you will be captured by some of his troops or some random people that are loyal to Nebuchadnezzar, but you will be brought to the king yourself. Your eyes will look straight into the eyes of the king of Babylon. And he's going to speak to you directly. in In other words, you are going to really be captured. You are going to be captured. You're going to be brought in front of the king and then he is going to bring you into exile. Rather than executing you, he is going to bring you to Babylon in exile. Ach, however, Shema Varadunai listen to the word of God, Tzidkiyo, King of Judah. Ko He will not execute you, you will not die by the sword. We don't know, really, there's different ideas and commentaries that explain this in various ways, but the truth is that The verses are deliberately ambiguous as to why it is that Tzidkiyahu doesn't just get executed by Nebuchadnezzar. Why it is that God promises Tzidkiyahu that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, won't just execute him, but rather take him into captivity. And not only will he take you into captivity rather than kill you, he will not execute you, but you will live out the rest of your days in Babylon and bishalom Tamut. you will die In peace, you will die in tranquility. Um, It won't be as a result of a violent death. You'll just die when it's time. (laughs) And just like they had the burnings for your forefathers, we see um, in many places, in uh, one place in Chronicles 2, 16, chapter 16, verse 14, we see where Asa, the king, one of the kings of the, of the Davidic line, when he died, it says that they burnt a big burning for him. The Talmud explains that this burning was <coughs> the they took all of the king's clothing and his special possessions that were special for the king alone and they would burn them in his honor. And at the time, they would also, during that burning, would, was part of the a time when they would also eulogize the king and give speeches about how great he was and so on, it was considered a big honor so that no one ever benefits from the king's, these king's own clothing will be only his forever and no one else will have them. It's like a special honor. And so there's, God is, is promising to Titkiyo that just like they did that for your forefathers, the Judean king's, of the Davidic line that preceded you for generations, the original kings that preceded you, they will do that for you as well. In other words, in Babylon, the Jews that are with you, in Babylon will do that honor for you. And they will call out, woe is it our master, our king has fallen. These are the kinds of things they will say. At your funeral, because this is the word that I have spoken. So says God. What exactly is the reason why um, um why God promises tikkio tikkio? We don't see too many good things about tikkio. There aren't that many um, uh, uh, saving graces, so to speak. In Tzitkio's behavior, uh, we know that he, he disobeyed the uh, words of uh, uh, the instructions of Jeremiah. He did not lead the people to repentance and back to God, but rather he led them to rebellion. Um, he led them at a time when the people and the government were corrupt um, and so on. But there was some there's something about Tzitkio that was, was um, still honorable. There was something good about him for which God is promising him that he is going to have at least an honorable or a somewhat honorable end in, in exile rather than being uh, ex- executed or killed by the, um, by the king of Babylon. This is verse 6. So Jeremiah, the prophet, goes ahead. And he brings the message that God just told him to bring. He brings this message to Zedekiah, and he speaks to him exactly as instructed. bavel, and this was all happening while the armies of the king of Babylon, nilchamim al Yerushalayim, were waging open battle against Jerusalem. There was active fighting going on at this time. The alkol ore Yehudah and the remaining major cities of Judah. There were many cities in Judah which had already fallen the the we we're the smaller towns that couldn't defend themselves. The farms had fallen. However, two other cities that we know of, which were the next two largest cities in Judea, El and al Azeika, these two cities, uh, we we know uh, where they are. Tel Azeika and Tel Achiş uh, today are sites that are well known in 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 uh, modern Israel today. Uh, near the town of Beit These are two large cities in Judah that were also still holding out in rebellion against Babylon, and of course the capital Jerusalem. These two cities, in addition to Jerusalem, at this point were still remaining um, as fortified towns that were the only ones left. So these three towns are still holding out against the king of Babylon and his armies. And while this is happening, this is when Jeremiah brought this message to, to Tzidkiyahu. Asher Hayol Yirmiyahu The uh, message, there was another message which Yirmiyahu, which the prophet received from God, Acharei um, I'm sorry, I'm reading this wrong. This word that we just mentioned, came to Yirmiyohu from God, achareh after the following event that happened. And this might give us a little bit of a hint into the fact that there was something about Tzedkiyohu that he did understand what this suffering was for and what corruptions the people were guilty of and maybe how to fix them, that there was a saving grace within and. Um, because we see that this Yermioh had received this prophecy after this event. What is this event? The event where the King Tzirkiyahu uh, made a covenant, Hamel Brit, with the people at Kola Amash with the entire nation that were in Jerusalem, the Krolohem to call out to the people of Jerusalem freedom. Freedom. From anyone who is enslaved um, by any other person, Titio somehow knew and understood. There's various theories as to why he would do this, but I'm going to go with the idea that he did this because he understood that he the uh, that uh, that bringing about freedom to the slaves and the servants would be something righteous to do, would be something good to do. And let's understand really clearly. When one, the Bible does allow for one Jew to become a servant of another Jew. It's called an Eved Ivri, a Hebrew slave. These arrangements typically happened when one person was indebted to another. And couldn't pay the debt they would then repay the debt by becoming their servant we know that the Torah teaches us the Bible teaches us in Exodus that um, that uh, that 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 you're only allowed to enslave your brother a fellow a fellow Hebrew for six years and in the seventh year they must be freed and there's also other rules as to how they're supposed to be treated humanely now one can imagine in a corrupt society and everything we learned about the society with the rich taking advantage of the poor and so on, that the enslaved classes of people were the lowest classes of people and, um, and they were enslaved out of desperation. Tzidkiyahu asked the people to, um, uh, made a covenant with the people that they all agreed to free their slaves. so Everyone should be free. Presumably this is being done in order to show God that they are turning back from their corrupt ways. That they are interested in, in, in the plight of the poorer classes of people. And taking care of the people that need to be taken care of. There are other ways to understand this. I'm going to go with this way. Just to mention quickly, another way to understand this is they're in the middle of fighting a war. And um, keeping a slave is an expense. It was a huge expense on a wealthy family when they'd have no income. They have no income from their fields. Their fields are all destroyed. And uh, they wanted to free the slaves so that they don't have to feed them. Another way of understanding this is they wanted to free the slaves because they needed more soldiers in the fight. And uh, kind of reminding of the uh, American Civil War, where by freeing the slaves, maybe we can get more uh, uh, previously enslaved people to help fight on the side of the Union. But over here you're they're freeing the slaves in order to get more soldiers to the front. But I'm gonna assume that the original intention of this was in order it was for justice. Did understood that, that he wanted to bring about justice and through the merit of this of this covenant, therefore um, he may bring about salvation. And God might look upon them in a favorable light. This, I'm now up to verse um, verse nine. That every single person, the covenant and agreement was that every single person will send his his servant and their, and his maid servant, uh, uh, the Hebrew or the or the Hebrew S, uh, uh, They will send them all free. So that no Jew should enslave any other Jew. That they would set them all free and all the people would be free. And all of the um, officials and all of the uh, people of the nation who um, that entered into this covenant, they all listened. They all set their servants free no longer would they enslave them, and they heard the message and they sent them free. However, they did this, and then suddenly, afterwards they returned back to their old bad ways, and they took, the the cruelty of this is just awful. They went and set them all free, and then, they went ahead and brought them all back and re-enslaved them. Asher those servants that they had set free. And they recaptured them, la'avodim v'lishvachos, and forced them back into becoming slaves and made servants. The, um, the assumption is that this all occurred during the time period, which we're going to read about, in uh, a few chapters from now together we're going to read that during the siege of Jerusalem when the when, and when the when the battles were raging strong there was a, a, a point of reprieve where Egypt, the Pharaoh did send an army up from Egypt um, ostensibly to uh, relieve pressure on Jerusalem and help, Um, uh, save them from Babylon and the Babylonians when they heard that the Egyptians were coming they turned they they um, eased up the siege and turned south to fight the uh, the Egyptians that were coming coming north in relief so so it's assumed that the people set their slaves free when the war was raging And then all of a sudden there was a reprieve the egyptians are coming now we're going to be saved by the egyptians we no longer need to free our slaves so they went ahead and got the slaves back so when there was a slight glimmer of hope the people all of a sudden returned right away to their evil ways and they showed that they didn't do it from the depths of their heart they didn't mean to be Nice, they didn't mean to bring freedom to the people that deserved it. They were only doing it to try to show that they were good. But in actuality, they went right back to their corrupt ways immediately afterwards, um, which would explain why God allowed the Babylonians to defeat the Egyptians and then return and lay siege against Jerusalem again. And we'll read about those events in a little bit later. How, uh, so it's assumed that this event occurred then. And of course, this was infuriated God, and therefore God said, spoke to Jeremiah and said as follows: So says God, the Lord of Israel, I made a covenant with your forefathers. When I took them out of the land of Egypt, when I took them, the people of Israel, out of a house of slavery, this is what I told them back then. I commanded them that, that at the end of seven years, that yes, I understand that sometimes people might pay back debts and there might be one person who turns another one of his brothers into a servant, and that these things may happen. however, I commanded that it should never last longer than seven years, that they must send them out. <speaking in Hebrew> your brother, the Hebrew who had been sold to you usually because of a debt. Fa <speaking in Hebrew> that the maximum one person can serve the other in servitude could be, would be six years and then, <speaking in Hebrew> then you immediately must send them free. Velo. <speaking in Hebrew> your forefathers did not listen to me they didn't pay attention they didn't give me their attention they didn't give me their ears literal translation this was my command and they never listened they would enslave each other they would oppress each other and remember these are the lessons that we've learned throughout all the prophets until now and we're going to continue as we study the prophets seeing the reason for the destruction was the oppression of the rich against the poor and now, um, um, all of a sudden, you went ahead, and you did repent. Finally, you did. Finally, 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 you did what was proper in my eyes. Likro joror ish and so that you finally called out freedom. Every man called out freedom to his friend. Everyone was free. And you made a covenant in front of me. And where did you proclaim this covenant? We see that this covenant occurred. In the temple itself was where the king had the people make this covenant. Asher nikrushmi in the house with my name is called upon. And then what did you do? And now you caused this prof- profaned my name. You regressed. You went backward. This is what the this is where that, that term comes from. We hear the term chilul Hashem. If a person who pr- professes to be uh, God's people does something that 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 is so abhorrent and so awful in the eyes of the entire world, it makes God's name look look, look, uh, look, look, disgusting. Make it, it just lowers the value of God's name. People think, is that how God's people behaves? Here we have the origin of that term, V'techalelu et shemi, God says, you profaned my name, you made my name look terrible in the eyes of the world. ishet avdo, and you went ahead and you brought back the servants, v'ishet and you brought back the maidservants and you re-enslaved them, the ones asher shilachtimu, the ones that you had just sent free to live on their own their own souls and you enforced them and you um, and you um, uh, 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 you, you, re- you enforced them again to become once again slaves and maid servants therefore we are now in verse 17 this is what says God this is the most the worst thing I've ever seen. You finally did the right thing and then you went ahead and ruined it. <laughs> you refuse to listen to me, to call out freedom, each person to his brother and each person to his friend. God keeps reminding us that the the, the master and the slave is, is a man and his brother. They're equal. They need to look at each other as equals, not as one... Higher class, one lower class, one master, one slave. But each man to his brother, each man to his friend, they're all equal, they're all brothers, they're all friends. But you refuse to call out freedom to all of them? I am going to unleash a different type of freedom against you. It says, God, what kind of freedom? I'm going to release the freedom of... Of, of the other nations to cause you suffering, El the sword, the plague that occurs inevitably in the siege, and the starvation. I'm going to make you a horror, a, a, um, an example of horror, uh, an object of shuddering is another translation. I saw it's in front of all the nations of the world. You made my name look look, be profaned in the eyes of all the nations i'm gonna make you into a despicable horror in front of all the nations those of you that i'm uh, that 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 um uh, defiled my covenant that violated my covenant i'm going to make those people that they did not that they did not fulfill the the covenant the um terms of the covenant asher karsula that they made and promised and swore in front of me in my house and in those days, it was a custom that to take an animal and cut it in half, the calf that was cut into two by Avrubein Bissarov, and they would pass between the two halves. That was the sign of a covenant. We see this reminded us in, in Genesis with the story of Abraham that also demonstrated a covenant this way, that people solemnly performed in my temple a a a, a, um, a procedure and a and a, um, a, 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 a formal a swearing to do this, but they didn't fulfill that. And who were all these people that made that promise? The soreru, the the officers, the officials of Judah, the vaseri Yishalayim, and the officials of Jerusalem, hasori sim ba those that are that are uh, masters, that are um, officials of the king's court, and the priests, and the entire land, all of you passed through between the two halves of the calf and made that promise to free the slaves. I'm going to put them in the hands of their enemies, and they're going to be in the hands of those that are seeking to kill them, and their corpses, will be uh, strewn on the land as food for the vultures, the birds of the sky, and the scavengers, the animals that scavenge the land. And the king of Judah and his officers, I'm going to um, hand them over to their enemies into the hands of those that are searching to kill them. And in the hands of the uh, army of the king of Babylon al which has withdrawn from you. Now what they're saying withdrawn from you is when, what God is saying here is referring to that moment where you went ahead and took those slaves back at the moment that I took the, the nation of Babylon, I took the armies of Babylon away from you. I rewarded you because of your good behavior and then you went ahead and spit me in the face so to speak and I'm going to bring them right back. Right now they're leaving you, but I'm going to bring them right back to come and destroy you. <speaking> in <Hebrew> I am now commanding them, says God. <speaking in Hebrew> Those Babylonians that left you and gave you as reprieve in the siege, and they went to fight Egypt, I'm going to bring them right back to this city they're going to wage war against it and they're going to capture it and they're going to burn it down in flame and the cities of judah i'm going to destroy without anyone settled there what this story shows is is that even though jeremiah had been prophesying about destruction about the destruction that's coming even during the siege and while the siege was happening there was still hope for the people to turn it around and they almost did it when they freed the slaves and showed that they understood that it was their oppression that it was their corruption and their oppression of the poor that caused the problem in the first place and they turned around and they went and they gave freedom to the people they understood they knew it and then they saw a reprieve they immediately snapped right back to their bad behavior this shows that even down to the wire they still could have they still could have changed things they still could have made things better it's not clear that what role did had in the abrogation of this of this covenant we know that he had a role in asking the people to make the covenant to free the slaves which shows that he understood this it doesn't say the verses don't tell us that Sid was part of the movement to re-enslave the people. It's possible and it seems that it was the people on their own that decided to do that. Which means Sid did not have control over his people, but there was a small saving grace in Sid that he understood this and that he did encourage it. He, he was far from perfect. He was mostly a bad king but this small thing that he did try to do and almost accomplished might be the merit that we started with that that we started with this chapter might be the merit for which God promised him that even though he will lose his kingdom and he will be live with his life in exile but he will have a peaceful death and he will have some honor upon his death thank you so much for studying chapter 34 together looking forward to studying chapter 35, and of course the rest of the book of Jeremiah together.